I'll do my best Jeremy impression. All right. So that's how he starts every single service. Hey, that was great. Give it up for the band. Kenny G meets Green Day. I love it. It's hard to believe that song is, is like classic rock at this point. It's like a 20-year-old song. And uh, for those of us who remember when that song still came out, yeah, it makes us feel old. Hey, we got some announcements for you before we get started. Uh, happy Labor Day. Thanks for being here with us. Um, it's beautiful outside. And uh, because of that, we have got hot dogs and sausages for you as you're leaving today. It will be right outside the main doors. You can't miss it. Uh, just follow the smell and uh, be, fr- be, be you know, free in how many you want to take. We got a ton of them. Uh, small group signups. I know that I got a lot of emails and we got a lot of, a lot of messages on Facebook. Um, our, the response was great. We weren't prepared for how great the response was. And so we actually had to turn signups off because the system is a new system and we're still trying to get it into place. It is on now. Um, but if you have any questions about small groups or need help finding one that, that is best suited for you, um, out in the lobby at the table where the coffee is, uh, we are going to be out there helping you figure out what the best group for you is. So um, feel free to step, step up there when, when service is over and we'll walk you through that process. Um, New episode of the podcast, uh, Divinely Uninspired, is out now. Podcast app, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those. Um, Download the app. That's where you can find all the information that you need for what's going on here at Journey. And then lastly, uh, so we wanted to just make sure that we were being real clear about um, stuff that shows up on the screen. Uh, We are going to start using the, the kids' ID uh, tag numbers. So if you have a kid, um, your, your kid gets a sticker, and on that sticker there's like a number, a code type thing. It looks like something like that. If that's your kid's ID, they don't need you. Um, that was just a random number that I picked out, but it might be your child. So when you see that up on the screen, if you have a kid that is in one of our, our classrooms, check your phone because that's always going to be the way they reach out to you first. If it reaches the screen, it just means we haven't, we haven't heard from you yet. So um, we just want to make sure that you know when your child needs you. Uh, you don't have to run out of the room like it's an emergency, um, but we just want you to be aware that there's something going on and we want to talk to your kids about All right, so let's talk. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Connect Four, and Jeremy has done a great job talking about how we as a church community can connect. And this song, I I love this song, and I asked Nathan and the band to play this song because today we are going to talk about loneliness. And this song, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, it's Green Day's most popular song. It's the the, the highest grossing Green Day song, and it's entirely about a journey of loneliness. And we have all experienced times of loneliness in our lives. It's a universal human experience. Marissa Corda is a graphic design artist in Canada. And in 2018, she started something that she was calling the Loneliness Project. And she sent out a call to friends and family members and said, Hey, tell me a story about a time that you were lonely, a time where you experienced loneliness. And this project ballooned very quickly, going from just friends and family members to reaching thousands of people all around the world, literally from Australia to the Arctic. And people shared their stories of loneliness. And being a graphic artist, she took a lot of these people's stories and created these 
pieces of artwork. And I just wanted to read a couple of these to you. They're just short little blurbs. But Andrew's a 24-year-old. And he wrote, I spent two hours alone wandering and out around in Ikea because I was too nervous to ask people to come with me. I ate two hot dogs and bought nothing. Misa is a 28-year-old, and she wrote, I feel lonely when I hear people talk about immigrants in a particular way because I am an immigrant, even though I don't look like what people perceive an immigrant to be. Scout is a 60-year-old man, and he wrote, Christmas guts me every year. I already accept that there will not even be a phone call for me. An anonymous 15-year-old kid wrote in. He said, I was the only kid in my class that had no parent to kiss or hug them goodbye because my mom was a single parent and couldn't afford to be late for work. Loneliness is a universal human experience, and we have all felt it at some time in our life, and we are likely to feel it again at some point in time in the future. And maybe you feel lonely right now. Maybe... You're sitting in this room full of people and you couldn't feel more alone. Or maybe you're watching at home right now or later on and you feel like there's not a person in the world who cares about you. You can be lonely all by yourself or in a crowded room full of people. Albert Schweitzer was a 20th century French-German philosopher and he famously said these words, We are all so much together but we are all dying of loneliness. And he said those words before the invention of social media, before we were connected yet unconnected at the same time. Cigna is a health insurance company. Anybody have Cigna health insurance? I don't really want to know. Um, I, just something, that we, something we do as ministers, we ask questions we don't want to know answers to. But they did a survey in 2018 of, of a lot of their customers and, and they interviewed 20,000 different people. And they asked them questions about their overall levels of health. And what they found in regards to loneliness was incredibly discouraging. Look at these facts. Nearly half of all Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. Only half of Americans have meaningful in-person social interactions on a daily basis. The key word there is meaningful. This isn't the person that says hello to you at the, the store, or the person that waves to you as you're passing them in the office. These are meaningful social interactions. And more than 40% of Americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful and they are isolated. 40%. That's like this part of the room and over. It's a large portion of the population. And so I think we have enough information to say that we as American people are pretty lonely. And not just in America. There's actually a minister of loneliness in the British government because it has become such an issue. We're a lonely people and it isn't good for us to be lonely. We are social beings, and we were created to be social beings. In Genesis chapter 2, we see this second account of the creation story. Genesis 1 is this one account. Genesis 2 is this secondary account. And it's in this account where we see the Adam and Eve story play out. And it's in verse 18 of chapter 2, 
where God sees that Adam is alone, and he recognizes that that's an issue. And so he says this, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. And so first, God makes a bunch of animals, and Adam goes through and names all the animals, and he can't find a suitable partner. And so it's at that point that God says, you know, let me make woman so that man has somebody to be afraid of. So. <laughs> Just as Adam felt alone and God recognized that it was not good for him to be alone, it is not good for us to be alone. But so many of us are lonely. Here's the good news, though. We don't have to be. If loneliness is an epidemic, community is the cure. Now, there are a lot of different definitions, and a lot of people mean a lot of different things when they talk about community. So for today, I want to give you my definition of what I mean when I say community, and it's this. The people you do life with who point you to Jesus, who help you become more like Jesus. These are your friends and your family members, the people who will laugh and cry with you, the people who will cheer you on, who will pick you up when you're down and bring you back down to earth when you've gotten a little too full of yourself. They're the ones you call when there's a tragedy, when there's a time for celebration. They love you, they watch out for you, and they will fight for you. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you can think of several people in your life who fall into that category. And if so, that is wonderful. I couldn't be happier for you. Hold on and nurture those relationships. But maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't have a single person like that in my life. And to you, I say this morning, well, then let's help you find someone. Let's help you find your community. When we look at Jesus's life and ministry, we can't help but see that he valued community. His whole ministry was spent in community with other people. This group of people that followed him around and lived with him and did all the hard things with him that he would go and do. They saw his miracles. They saw his teachings. And when we look at the early church, community was a core tenant to how they operated. It was built around the community. But the community can take on very different shapes and sizes depending on what the need is. And I think that that can serve as a really good model for us today living in the 21st century searching for community. So this morning, I just want to show you a few passages of scripture that point to different kinds of community and then briefly talk about how those apply to us today. But there's an easy way of thinking about these different types of communities, and it's, it's by memorizing a phone number. Okay, and so it's anybody, uh, those of us who remember before the days of cell phones, we all memorize phone numbers all the time. So I want to give you one to remember, and it will help you be able to attach an idea to what size community, what shape community we need. The number is this, 867-5309. 
It's, it's not the right phone number, but I like, I, I, it's one I remember. Uh, so it's actually, the phone number is this, 120-1231, 120-1231, broken down, 120-12-3-1, and, and we'll talk about each of those briefly. So in Acts chapter 1, the infant church has just watched as Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God. And it says that they're sitting there and they're, they're just looking up into the sky because Jesus said, hey, I'll be back. I think they meant he was coming right back. But finally, they realize, they're told by a couple of angels, hey, he's not coming back. You all need to, well, he's, like, he's coming back, but just not right now. Uh, so go do what he told you to do, which is to fulfill the Great Commission. You know, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so they go to Jerusalem and some amount of time passes. And for whatever reason, they have a gathering, a meeting. And it says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, and together the crowd numbered about 120 persons. Now, 120 people gathered together in one meeting where one guy gets up and speaks about Jesus, and everybody else kind of listens. It kind of sounds like what we might think of as a, as a church service. Throwing a guy playing a guitar in a coffee bar in the lobby and you've got yourself a regular campus. So we've got this 120, this large group gathering. It's what we're doing right now and the large group gathering is incredibly important. It's exciting being together in a big group. It's exciting to worship together. It's good to serve one another. It helps us stay attached to the greater mission and vision of the church. But the large gathering has its limits. See, this, this church service is largely impersonal. It's not a whole lot of relationship building in this moment right now. Because the model is one very good-looking guy on stage <laughs> speaking to you, not Jeremy, me, uh, <laughs> speaking to you about Jesus and you receiving that. And that is good. Please don't misunderstand me. That is a good thing. But it's not personal. It's community, yes, but it's not personal community. We have collectively, for whatever reason, made the large gathering the most important gathering. And even within the large gathering, we've made this time, the sermon, the message, the most important thing. And when we look at the early church, this was a small part of community. If I had to take a guess on why we have made the large gathering the, the most important or the thing that we talk about the most, I think it's because it's easy. It's pretty easy to come to church, especially if you want to come to church. It doesn't necessarily require too much of us. We can sit through a one-hour service. We receive our spiritual feeding, and then we go home. That's good, that's, that's, that's good, but it's not all there is. 
And for some of us, this is all the community we, we have with the church. Sitting in a large room, listening, being a face in the crowd. And listen, I get it. I like being a face in the crowd. I'm not actually an extrovert. I'm a forced extrovert, which means I'm an introvert who has to try and be an extrovert. I like nobody knowing my name. But that is not something that's going to help you become more like Jesus all on its own. It is one piece of the puzzle. See, we've fooled ourselves into thinking that Christianity is a solo religion, that it's an individualistic journey. And that's just not the case. We can't do this whole Christian thing alone. There's an old African proverb that I love, and it says this. If you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. It is hard to go together when you're content to be a face in the crowd. Now, the next type of community I want to look at is a lot smaller. It's the 12, or Jesus' small group. We often look at the gospel accounts, and we miss the fact that there was a large group of people following Jesus around known as disciples beyond just the 12 we tend to think of. In other words, Jesus already had a 120 community following him around during his earthly ministry. But he recognized the importance of having these personal connections with people that he saw potential in, that he saw talent and wisdom. And so that from that 120, he calls a smaller group, a group of 12, and it says this in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. Now, during those days, he went out, Jesus, to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Wouldn't you hate to be the one that wasn't the traitor? Because people talk about Judas, and he always has to, oh, not that one. <laughs> like, that's how he has to introduce himself, is not, not the bad one. So these 12 guys, they walked alongside Jesus every day for about three years. They were there for his sermons. They were there for his miracles. They were there for his struggles, his moments of heartbreak, and also his moments of triumph. They ate together, traveled together, camped together. These were close bonds of friendship. These were not just Jesus' students. They were not just his disciples, but they were his friends. And he tells them they are his friends. In John chapter 15, Jesus is teaching about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be a part of the family of God, or in other words, what it looks like to be a Christian in community. And he says this, starting in verse 15. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. 
You know how I know having friends is important? Because Jesus thought having friends was important. He sought out people to be his friends, and not just casual acquaintances, but close friends who he told everything to. He shared his hopes and dreams. He shared his hard times and his good times. You know, that that report I mentioned earlier says that 25% of people, and I didn't have this one up there earlier, but 25% of people feel like they don't have a single friend. A single friend. They have acquaintances, they have colleagues, they have family members, but no friends. And one other study by the Barna Group who is like the church guru when it comes to all things Christianity, they were able to identify the loneliest demographic of people within the church. Young, single guys who didn't make a lot of money were the biggest demographic of people that didn't feel like they had a single friend in the world. One of the main goals of our new small group ministry, PACS, is to help people make friends. They're not designed to be Bible studies. They're not designed to be a place where you have one person who talks and everybody else listens. I love Bible studies. I'm all up for a good Bible study. I love being taught in lecture form. But that is not what we are trying to do with our small group ministry. What we are trying to help people do is make friends who help you become more like Jesus. Your pack will be a safe place. It will be a place where you grow to become more like Jesus together, where people know you and love you want to celebrate with you, want to be there with you when you're in hard times. I personally can't overstate how much I think about small groups, how how important they are to me. And it's because of my experience with small groups. Some of the people I cherish most in the world are only people I know because they joined the same small group I did. People like Glenn and Carol. Glenn and Carol were there the day my oldest daughter was born because they joined the same small group I did. Jason and Misty, when we left for the Dominican Republic, they were some of our loudest supporters, scheduling fundraisers for us while we weren't even there to be a part of them. People like Bob and Laura, who who have gone to the Dominican Republic with me and my wife and seen what's going on there and said, hey, we want to help support this pastor. We want to provide funds for his family and his ministry. People like Sam and Tegan, who I don't know that I would have ever met Sam and Tegan if it weren't for small groups. And now I am with Sam and Tegan twice a week, doing life together. These are the people that have been there for us when we are in crisis, 
and when we celebrated. And they were there because they signed up for the same small group that we did. I cannot overstate how important small groups are in our lives. So if you're sitting here today or you're watching at home and you're a part of that 25% of people that feel like you don't have a single friend in the world, sign up for a pack today. And if you're somebody who desires closer community with people, sign up for a pack today. I can almost guarantee you that by the end of the semester, you will have built the foundations of some very important relationships. Now, it is possible to go even smaller than the 12, and Jesus did. He had his three closest friends. These were the guys that he saw to carry on his legacy when he left, to lead things when he was gone, and they were Peter, James, and John. He felt a stronger friendship with them. He invited them to come up on the mountain to witness his transfiguration. He invited them in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying that maybe he didn't have to go to the cross. These were the guys that he poured into more than anybody else. And that is okay to have friends that you are closer to than others. My wife is really good at making friends. And when we first started dating, she would talk about her best friend. And every time she talked about her best friend, it was a different person. <laughs> By my count, she had like eight best friends. And to me, I had one best friend because I thought that's what the word best meant. <laughs> but my wife actually taught me that a best friend is not a person, it's a category. You can have several best friends because it's a description of a relationship as opposed to an individual. These are the friends that you can not see or talk to for months. And when you finally do, you pick right back up where you left off. The people who, they know you better than you know yourself. They're the ones who can call you on your your bluff, who know when you're full of it. These are important relationships because these are also the people who are more comfortable saying to you than anybody else in the world, hey, we need to talk. Let's help you become more like Jesus. They're the ones who have been with you through thick and thin. Your relationship is battle-tested. Somebody got an ESPN notification. You better check it. <laughs> it's probably your turn to pick on the draft today. <laughs> now, there is one final type of community that I want to talk about before we wrap up here, and that is the one-on-one -on -one relationship. That is a special type of community. The Christian word for this is discipleship. In secular language, we might call it a mentorship. But this is the Mr. Miyagi, Daniel-son relationship. 
For us nerds, it's the Luke and Yoda relationship. This is the Peter-Jesus relationship. You know, Peter was a, a mess. He was, he, he, to quote uh, my wife, he was a hot mess. He spoke too quickly. He left without looking. He lied. He abandoned. He cut off a man's ear when things got dicey. And yet he recognized who Jesus was before anybody else. And Jesus recognized who Peter was when nobody else did. We have this account in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus is teaching his disciples and kind of revealing to them who he is. And the disciples, when you read the Gospels, they were, they were thick-headed. They were dense. Jesus was often saying, like, I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say this to you guys in plain language before you get it. But Peter got it. And in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, it says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he questioned his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was Peter's one-on-one. He was Peter's Mr. Miyagi. He was Peter's Yoda. Wax on, wax off. If you don't know what that is, I don't know what to do with you. (laughs) There are people on our staff who don't know what the karate kid is, and I really don't know what to do with that. Find a mentor. Become a mentor. Disciple somebody. Be discipled by somebody. And and I'm going to speak for myself, but I'm also going to speak for Jeremy or any of the other church leaders. We can pastor you, but we can't always mentor you. We can't always be the only person speaking into your life. And we allow, oftentimes, the wrong types of voices to disciple us, to speak into our lives. People that don't really know us, people that don't always have our best interests in mind, find somebody that does. And if you can't find somebody, come talk to us. We'll help you find somebody. What we're talking about today is this sense of community. People in your life who you do life with, who help you become 
more like Jesus. But even more than that, we're talking about friendship. And friendship is so important. Even though it may not be seen as necessary to survival. I want to close out with a quote by C.S. Lewis. And he wrote this in his book, The Four Loves. Friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy. Like art. Like the universe itself, for God did not need to create. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. You don't need friendship to live, but it makes living a lot better. So today, I want to encourage you and invite you get in community. Specifically, I want to invite you, join a pack. Life's better in a pack. Let's pray.